Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. I just met with the deacons a little while ago, and my reason for meeting with them is uh, to confirm something I, I felt led to do and bring it before you. you. You know the story of the Good Samaritan, how he was traveling and he came upon a stranger, a man he didn't know, had been beaten, robbed, and left for dead. <clears throat> and rather than passing him by as other travelers had done, the Good Samaritan stopped and he helped this man. He bound up his wounds, got him some lodging, left some money, and he said, you take care of this guy, and next time I'm through, if, if he overspent what I'm leaving, then I'll, I'll make it up to you. A guy that he didn't know, had never met, and probably would never ever see again. And that's the lesson to us Christians of the Good Samaritan. Well, we have the opportunity to be Good Samaritans ourselves. Um, most of you know, especially those of you that travel north or is it north out of here? Yeah, north. When you exit, if you go down a couple miles on the left, you'll, you'll, you'll see the burnt out building that was there. And there were seven families that uh, lost everything in, in that fire. And a letter went out from Love, Inc. This is a, like a local Christian clearinghouse where people go for help. And not that they necessarily help people, but they know where the resources are. And we have contributed to this organization. They're a good organization. And they have been in communication with various churches. Some churches in the area offer this or that, different resources and what have you. And they are just encouraging churches to do their part uh, to help these people. And kind of like the Good Samaritan, I don't know any of the people that... Well, let me ask, does, do any of you in here right now, do, do you know any of those people? Sandy, you, you know, Ted... Yeah, I heard that, you know, the Red Cross, folks, that's a great organization. I mean, say what you will, maybe not a perfect organization, but a great, my family benefited, my mom and dad benefited when they were in a couple floods and the Red Cross was there. So the night of the fire, I think it was that Friday night, Red Cross came in and you guys were very gracious to use the motel here as a, as a uh, meeting place where they came and got in with the Red Cross. And Red Cross, they do, they do their part. And then other churches have done their part. And I mentioned to the deacons, I said, well, let's, let, let's do our part. And we had a staff meeting the other day and we were batting around some ideas. And we've, we've come up with the idea that we would like to give them gift cards. And it may be just a kind of one of those general gift cards you can use anywhere or maybe a Walmart gift card or whatever. And so next uh, Sunday, we're going to take up an offering. And uh, it'll be presented to these families as gifts from Myo Baptist Church. And it'll be along the same lines as the, uh, as, as the Good Samaritan. Especially if you don't know these people, may never meet these people, don't know what the results of that gift may ultimately be. It'll all be in the Lord's hands, but I think it's the right thing to do. One thing the Bible does teach us is for widows and orphans and, and people that find themselves in poor, the Bible says, you know, do the right thing by them. 
And so this is an opportunity. These folks, as far as I know, didn't bring it on themselves. I never did actually hear what caused the fire. It really doesn't matter. Um, and so, you know, in a small community, it's good for us to be good neighbors. So if you would, you pray this week about what you can give. I hope you'll give generously, and we'll divide it up evenly, and we'll give it to them in a little gift basket from the church, and we'll make sure that they get it. Uh, my wife this week, in her capacity as uh, the church secretary, she'll make contact and find out who these people are and how we can make sure uh, that, they gift, that they get the gift that we intend for them. So if you would, uh, pray about it and be as generous as you can next week, and we'll divide it up among them. And uh, I, I think the Lord will, will bless that on our part here <clears throat> in our little community. All right, having said that, the message this afternoon, finding contentment. Finding contentment. I, I found it kind of interesting, you know, once a month, through the course of the year, about once a month, I like to preach on our theme verse. And as I was preparing and I was looking at the theme verse, I thought to myself, and I've already preached one message on it, but I looked at it in a little more depth and I said, what's the context? What's Paul talking? He's talking to the Philippians. And now, what, what, what is he, in what context is he mentioning this? When you look at what he's talking about, what is he talking about when he makes this statement? Well, let's look at Beginning in Philippians verse number 4. Now this is verse number 13. We're going to start in Philippians 4 verse number 10, I should say. Philippians 4.10. And then we'll read down to verse number 13. And we're going to put it in context. You know, look at what he's talking about when he ends up saying, I can do all things through Christ. By the way, let me, let me just give you this before we get into that. A lot of folks misuse this verse. They think it means, I can do whatever I want. If I pray and ask God to do it, then, then it's going to happen. You know, some, some, some kid that's 5'10 could say, I want to be a linebacker for, you know, wh- whatever football team. You know, no, no, that's not what this is talking about. You can't just name it and claim it. And for that reason, at least in part, that we look to the context. Okay, what's, what's he talking about when he makes that statement? He said, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, Wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. He's writing Philippians in part as a thank you note. Paul traveled, he found himself in difficult situations, and not very many people at all supported him as a missionary. But the Philippians had recently given him what apparently was a generous gift of some sort, okay? And he's excited about it. And he is writing them, the book of Philippians, to a great degree, is simply a thank you note. So he's telling them, I rejoiced. He said, I know you've wanted to take care of me. He said, but you've lacked opportunity for one reason or another. It just just didn't work out for you to support me. But I did get what you uh, gave to me. And then he goes on to say, after he expresses his appreciation and his rejoicing, he says, not that I speak in respect of want. He said, I'm not just talking about that I'm excited about it because I got it. And then he says this, for I've learned, you know, whether I get a gift or not, this is the essence of what we're talking about today, for I've learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Whatsoever state I am, therewith. He says, look, I'm thankful for your gift, I'm rejoicing in your gift, but you, you need to know, you know, sometimes you couldn't help me. And I want you to know, whether you help me or not, it's okay, because I've learned to be content. 
would to the Lord we could all learn that lesson. If I'm serving the Lord as a missionary and I'm not getting the help that I think I deserve, I could maybe just get frustrated and throw in the towel. Paul didn't do that. Whether he got support or not, what got him through that was the fact that he had learned to be content. And then he explains it in a little more detail in the next verse. He tells them, the Philippians, he says, I know both how to be abased, that means down and out, and I know how to abound. He says, I've learned contentedness. Whether, whether things are going poorly or whether things are going well. He says, everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Whether, whether I'm full or whether I'm hungry, I've been instructed to be contented. Both to abound and to suffer need. And it's in that context that he ends up saying, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. If there's one thing that we should all value and desire, it would be contentedness. And I can tell you that I, I fail terribly on that sometimes. So this is a lesson for me too. But it's good to know that through strength in Christ Jesus, I can learn to be contented like Paul. Let me share with you this little introduction. An airplane pilot was flying over the Tennessee mountains and pointed out a lake to his co-pilot. And he said, see that little lake down there? He said, when I was a kid, I used to sit in a rowboat down there fishing. Every time a plane would fly overhead, I'd look up and wish I was flying in that plane. And now I fly over that lake and wish I was down fishing in that rowboat. (laughs) He goes on to say, contentment can be an elusive pursuit. We go after what we think will make us happy only to find that it didn't work. In fact, sometimes we were happier before we started the quest. It's like the story of the two teardrops, two teardrops floating down the river of life. One teardrop said to the other, who are you? Said, I'm a teardrop from a girl who loved a man and lost him. Who are you? I'm a teardrop from the girl who got him. So. Contentment, if you think about it, would be such a wonderful quality to possess. It would be a fantastic quality to possess because where there is contentment, think about it, it will automatically fill the space where there's then no room for anger, no room for jealousy, When there's contentment, there's no place for pride. If you think about it, there's no place for depression or animosity or anxiety or self-pity or even fear. You're going through a bad health scare and you're you're contented. Or bitterness or or self-centeredness. This this passage is, is known for the verse, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That very famous verse, when you look at the context, is in the context of Paul telling these people, I've learned whatever state I'm in to be content. Most people don't equate that verse with contentment, but it it is. So let's learn how to be contented. Let's examine this in context. Paul, Paul, when he writes this, he's in prison. The Philippians had sent a gift. 
So again, let's read verse number 10. What does he tell them? But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Paul is expressing his appreciation, his gratitude for their gift. He is very encouraged by the gift. He's acknowledging, I've had a lot of tough situations. Now I'm in prison. Times have been hard. So he expresses his gratitude to them. And then again in verse number 11, he's clarifying it. Not that I would speak in respect of want. He said, I, I'm, I'm not happy just for the fact that you've met a need that I've been in, in trouble. He says, because I've learned something. I've learned that whatsoever state I am, he says, to be content. And Paul was in a lot of bad places a lot of times. I mean, I mean, none of us have ever, to my knowledge, been run out of town, you know, thrown out of town, falsely accused, no place to sleep, no place to eat. He's experienced all of that. And he's saying here, he said, I'm not excited because you sent me a gift. He said, because I've learned that no matter my situation, I've learned to be content. And again, he elaborates in verse number 12. He tells them, he explains it a little further. I know both how to be abased. That means go through hard times. And I know how to abound, go through good times. Everywhere in all things, I'm instructed to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need. He's learned to be content, whether he's a base or whether he's abounding. And either one of these can present a danger. If you're a base, you, you could get to the point where you're angry, you're dispirited, you're filled with anxiety, you might be filled with self-pity. So when you go through a time of, of real serious trials, you can put yourself in a dangerous situation. And equally so, and we may not think of it this way, but even when you abound... When you abound, you can get cocky, you can get proud, you can get arrogant. So whether you're going through a time of trials or a time of blessings, for us Christians in this sin-cursed world, it can present a challenge. Either one of, us can, either one of them can draw us away from God. So Paul has achieved the notable goal that few achieve, contentment. The contentment is the, is the answer to either one of those extremes. Whether, whether you are blessed with abundant blessings... You need to learn to be content. Whether, whether you are, are, have great need and great trials, you learn to be content. Paul has achieved that. He could be content in a palace. He could be content in a prison. And that, that is a wonderful attainment. Not an easy attainment for any of us, but a wonderful attainment for those who can attain it. And that's when he says in verse number 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can be content when I'm abased. I can be content when I abound. His faith allowed him to, to be content regardless of his circumstances. Now, let's look. I found these great quotes about contentment that I want to share with you. And they, they teach us a lesson. We'll expound on them. Number one, contentment does not mean complacency. As Christians, we can work to better our circumstances as we have opportunity. So when we talk about contentment from God's perspective, as we would all want to achieve it, it doesn't mean to become lazy. It doesn't mean you don't have goals. It doesn't mean you can't save for something, that you can't want something. Contentment does not mean complacency, okay? Which brings us to the next quote that explains it further. Contentment is an inner sense of rest or peace that comes from being right with God 
and knowing that He is in control of all that happens to us. So, they are not mutually exclusive. You know, either you can have goals or you, can, or you have to be content. You, you can't be both. Yes, you can have both. You, you can have goals, but at the same time, you're content. Or, as, as this quote says, you have an inner sense of rest or peace that comes from being right with God and knowing that He's in control. So you can have goals and still be contented. You can have desires and still be contented. It's that inner peace that you have with God that He is in control. And if He's in control, if He wants me to reach that goal, then I'll reach that goal. If I'm saving up for this because I think I would enjoy it, and if it's okay with Him, then that's fine. But if you don't get it, then that's okay. You know, it doesn't eliminate the idea that you have responsibility and that maybe you should have some goals. Which leads us to the next two points. If God grants us material comforts, We can thankfully enjoy them, knowing that it all comes from his loving hand. And Paul says, I've learned to abound. If he takes our riches, our joy remains steady because we are fixed on him. You know, I I mentioned a while back in one of the messages about my dad's camp, the 80 acres he bought up in Mississippi that we'd go to for, it was the the gathering place for the family for for many years. And... um, my dad just loved that place. I mean, that was his getaway place. That was his go-to place. And he loved when our family could, could be there. He just he worked on that place to see us enjoy it. He enjoyed seeing us enjoy it, I think, the most. And it almost burned down one time. And he told me, he said, he said, I think God was teaching me a lesson that I was just getting too carried away with this place. He said, I've got to learn to be content with what God has given me and God has blessed me with. And, and he said, look, if God lets me enjoy it, fine. If God takes it away, that's fine. That's contentment. Next we see contentment also means not being battered around by difficult circumstances or people. And not being wholly seduced by prosperity. There's those two extremes. Because our life is centered on a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, he's our anchor. And whether blessings come from this direction or needs come from this direction, it's okay. I mean, you're, you're contented in Christ. You know he's in control. What a wonderful place to be for a Christian in his life. We see all too often some Christians just fall apart. Just fall apart. And you think, man, what do they need? They, they need contentment. It doesn't mean that they need to give up. It doesn't mean that they need to stop trying. It, it doesn't mean that they don't need to think about the future and plan for the future and work towards the future. But they don't need the anxiety, the, the, the pressure. You do those things and then your, your default position is, listen, God's got me right where he wants me. He is in control. I can be content. And we see next that contentment keeps our hearts right with God. So contentment keeps you from getting angry or depressed when you're abased. That's, that's the context of what it's talking about here. And contentment keeps you from getting cocky and proud when you abound. And he said, I am able to do this through Christ which strengtheneth me. I like this quote. It kind of gives us a perspective. Contentment does not come naturally, as you're about to see as we expand on these verses. It doesn't come naturally, even to Christians, but only supernaturally as one learns that this life is no longer me living, but Christ living in and through me. 
That's a huge step forward in anybody's maturity when they come to that point. Too often we're thinking in terms, this is what I want, this is what I'm going to do. And those kinds of people can be on edge and frustrated and what have you. Whereas when you realize, you know, God's in control. You know, I still have responsibilities. I still should improve myself. I I, I still need to grow and all of that. But at the same time, God is in control. Uh, let, Let me share with you, I don't have it up on the board, but something that Spurgeon said concerning contentment. He said, these words show us that contentment is not a natural propensity of man. He said, bad weeds grow everywhere. Bad weeds grow everywhere. Covetousness, discontent, and murmuring are as natural to man as thorns are to the soil. He says, we don't need to sow thorns and brambles. They come up naturally enough because they're indigenous to earth. And so we need not teach men to complain. They complain fast enough without any education. Then he goes on to say, but the precious things of the earth, Spurgeon's so smart. I hate even reading him. I feel so dumb as a preacher when I hear him and how articulate he is and, and these illustrations that he uses. But the precious things of the earth must be cultivated. If we would have wheat, we must plow and sow. If we want flowers, there, there must be the garden and all the gardener's care. Now, contentment is one of those flowers of heaven. And if we would have it, it must be cultivated. It's not like a weed. You know, the weeds, all the bad stuff, sin, that's just all around us. It just comes easy. The good things, the gardens, the flowers, the veggies, you have to cultivate those. And so it is with contentment. Talking about contentment, he goes on to say, it will not grow in us by nature. It is the new nature alone that can produce it. And even then, we must be specially careful and watchful that we maintain and cultivate the grace which God has sown in us. And that's why Paul says in Philippians 14, 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can even be contented. And you and I have as much claim to that as did the Apostle Paul. Because the, 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 the value of contentment, if you think about it, is contented people typically aren't angry people. Contented people are not for sure jealous people. They're, they're, they're not wallowing in self-pity. Oh, I wish I had what they had. Or why didn't my life turn out like his or hers? They're not complaining people. They're not proud people. They're not arrogant people. So contentment, I mean, to have it, how, how much better would our lives be? Because, again, I'm preaching to myself this afternoon. There, there are times that I can be uh, discontented uh, in, in a way that I shouldn't be. I mean, there's nothing wrong for me wanting to grow as a Christian. There's nothing wrong with me wanting you to grow. I have that desire. There's nothing wrong with me wanting our church to grow and to reach more people and to be everything we can be. But at the same time, Underneath all of that, the soil, there's a contentment. That I do everything I'm supposed to do. I work hard at it, but then I know that God's in control. So I'm still working hard, but I'm, I'm not filled with anxiety. 
I, I, I'm not filled with self-pity or woe is me or why can't I do a better job as a pastor and so forth and so on. So that brings up the million-dollar question, how do you get there? Because I think all of us would agree that that'd be a wonderful thing to have, especially if you, like me, sometimes are more anxious than you should be, more fearful than you should be. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have your responsibilities? Yes. To have your goals. It's okay to have some plans and desires, but at the same time, underpinning all of that is contentment. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to have? Well, how do you, how do you achieve this contentment? Well, Paul gives us some pretty good insight into that in the passage we've been looking at. Let's look at three things and we're done real quick here. Number one, how do you achieve contentment? Number one, it is a learned in life experience. It's something that you learn. It's something that you can develop. And if you look at it, sometimes the older, more mature Christians, they're not the ones filled with all the anxiety or the fretting of a younger Christian. They seem to be more calm. They seem to be more contented. It's because their years of being in God's school is paying off. The, 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 the years of um, God teaching us is paying off. It, Paul says in verse number 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I have learned it. And it may take some time. And that may explain why some of the older saints of God aren't all frazzled and, you know, on edge and uptight and what have you. Because over time, they've learned that. Contentment is never the result of multiplying riches, increasing pleasures, or gaining fame. All these only incite discontent. For when one obtains them, he finds he still is not satisfied. Contentment does not depend upon things on the outside, but results from conditions on the inside. So if you're not quite there yet at the contentment level that would benefit you and be a good testimony to others, be patient. It's something that you, you learn. And I think one of the ways you learn it is through, when you're young, you think, well, if I had this, then I'd be okay. Or if I had this, it would, you know, life would be so much better. And, and in some cases, to a degree, that is true. You know, life may be a little more comfortable. But you also realize that in time, no, that's not it. And so often it's more like, I desired that, and I thought that's what I needed, and I thought that's what would make life all better. And you get it, and you realize, no, it's, it, it's not what I thought it was going to be. And so you learn. You learn, no... Contentment really isn't in things or in certain circumstances. You you learn through experience that contentment is in Christ and knowing that he's in control. Number two, Paul tells us that it comes from instruction. You have to be instructed. You have to listen. Verse number 12, the next verse down, he says, I know both how to be a base. I know how to abound everywhere in all things, for I am instructed both to be full. You, you, you might read over that real quick. You, you, you know, it'd be easy to read that verse and focus on the abase and the abound and, you know, be full and hungry and, and abound and suffer need. You know, my, my attention is drawn to those three comparisons there. And it'd be easy. And then I, I stopped. I'm like, wait, that's key there. I am instructed. 
both to be full. And that's exactly what God's Word tells us. God's Word tells us to be contented. 1 Timothy 6, 8. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And 1 Timothy 6, 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. So we need to listen to God's word. We need to understand that God wants us to be content. Therefore, we conclude that he's not going to want something for us that is impossible for us to achieve. So it is achievable. It might take some time. We have to learn it through experience and what have you. But you listen to God. You know, you don't listen to the devil. You don't listen to your flesh. Uh, you deserve more, and you've been cheated in life, and you, you, know, you, you, you deserve better than this, and everybody's picked on you, and it's not your fault, and all that kind of stuff. No, be instructed from God's Word that contentment is good for you and is achievable. And then lastly, it is impossible, or excuse me, it is possible to do this with strength from Christ. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That contentment that can be so elusive to all of us, but is so desired and so valuable because it keeps that bitterness out, that jealousy out, that covetousness out, that self-pity out. You've got to look to Christ for it. You have to look to him. And how do we do that? Well, Warren Wiersbe says this. All of nature depends on hidden resources. The great trees send their roots down into the earth to draw up water and minerals. Rivers have their sources in the snow-capped mountains. Unless we draw on the deep resources of God by faith, we will fail against the pressures of life. So as trees have their hidden resources down in the earth, as the Mississippi River, which I grew up near down in Louisiana, has its resources way up there in the lakes and streams of northern uh, Minnesota. So we have a source of strength. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And that ask another question. Where does that strength come from? Well, you folks know this, but we'll remind you again. He strengthens us through prayer. He strengthens us through our Bibles. He strengthens us through the Holy Spirit. He strengthens us through the local church. Folks that are not here on, when we have church, be it Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, they are not in a position to be strengthened. One of the ways he strengthens you is through the preaching and the teaching of his word. So as we look at this verse for the remainder of the year, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, it has... A lot of applications. It has a lot of ramifications. But what is the essence of what it's talking about? What is the context? With this, we're done. Paul being in prison, getting this gift from these Philippians, which was rare for him to get any gift from anybody. He said, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly. That now at the last your care for me hath flourished again. 
wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. And having said that, he said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned something, that in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. And maybe he's thinking, let me explain. I know how, I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere. And in all things. I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. And then he explains how it's possible. I can do that. Me paraphrasing here. I can do that. In fact, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. All the more reason for you to spend, you and I, to spend more time in our Bibles personally. That's the source of that strength. To be more in in prayer. To be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And to be in Sunday school, Sunday morning church, Sunday afternoon church, Wednesday night church, when we can have it. All the more reason. It, 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 it's sad to see people who are filled with anxiety, fear, or jealousy. What's the antidote to that? If you think about it, really, it's contentment. And, and a contentment that, does, that's not come, that doesn't come from apathy. Because even with contentment, it's right to have plans. It's right to work hard. It's nothing wrong with having goals. But at bedrock, there is a, there's a contentment there. That if you reach the goals, great. If you don't reach the goals, okay, Lord, wasn't, it wasn't your will. What, what a wonderful way to live this short life on this earth with contentment. Elusive, yes. Attainable, yes. Paul says, I've learned. I've learned, and hopefully by us spending a few moments this afternoon, we've given some thought to something, and we've learned a little something about contentment. And the, the older we get, the more contented we'll be. And that's been my observation with Christians. Young Christians tend to suffer with discontent. Such was the case when I was younger, and Sharon was younger. I think we were, we're much more contented now than we were back then. So you young couples, there's hope. Hang in there. Some lessons just have to be learned through life, but they're, they're worth learning, and God will bless you for it. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.